Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We got a lot to talk about, Ari Wasserman, because there's a story that you and I both worked on that, that came out on The Athletic on Monday, and it is the talk of college football. Everybody's talking about this Jaden Rashada contract that we obtained and we put in the story and, and just how in the world all this happened, how his, his commitment to Miami happened, how he had to pay some money back to Miami, well, not to the University of Miami, but to a collective attached to Miami, and then signs a contract with a collective attached to Florida, and that contract is for $13.85 million. Yeah, and then that, it gets terminated. That tone was uh, in you know in the hangover when he goes, and I had an ATM receipt in my pocket for $800. It sounds exactly yes. like that. But yeah, no, the uh, first of all, let me just say, I was on Ralph Russo's show on Monday, and then you just did it again like, saying that I did a lot of hard work on this. This is all you and Stu. Uh, you know, I just wanted to say congratulations. I thought it was a very well-done story. And, you know, being in the industry with you, I, I know, you know, how complicated and, and hard these stories are. And I'm, I'm proud to work at the place that published it. So, well, it's one uh, of those, I, I, I don't know that most places would have had the manpower to do it because we did have a ton of people working on it. It was, I, you, you contributed to it. Bruce Feldman contributed to it. Uh, Stuart and I wrote it. Uh, Antonio Morales, our USC beat writer, contributed to it. Alan Taylor, our Florida beat writer. Manny Navarro, our Miami beat writer. Uh, we had three editors, Jill Thaw, Jennifer Armstrong, Kate Aropoulos, all working on it at once. So it, it's, we probably had a little advantage there because we could do that. And, you know, we started, people ask me when we started working on the story. And I, I always, I, I'm telling them February because it wasn't, we didn't even know who Jaden Rashada was at that point, but we were, it was basically after the deal that we learned would be was the Nico Yama Mayalava deal came out. We started just trying to meet as many of these people in this world as we could and follow it wherever it went. And Rashada very quickly emerged as one of the more interesting stories in all this. And I'd say by the, the late spring, early summer, we were, we were we were following it very closely. And it was just a matter of getting to the point where we could get people to talk to us because people don't mm -hmm. want to talk about NIL specifically. They, they you know, they, they, they don't want to talk about amounts. They don't want to talk about frequency. They don't want to talk about what deliverables are required to, to make it work. And I, I don't, I think it creates this air of mystery where people will believe almost anything like the, the, the Rashada thing when Rashada initially committed to Miami there was a quote from Michael Caspino, who was his lawyer slash agent at the time, that he'd left, that he, it was like a $9.5 million deal and he'd left millions of dollars on the table. Now, we never confirmed, we were never able to confirm any of that, that any of those amounts existed. Mm -hmm. But somebody believed it. Yeah. Well, here's the thing that's been difficult, you know, as somebody who does a lot of recruiting work for the athletic, you know, NIL deal deals and and the financial aspect of this is kind of like the mythical creature that's almost taken form of the mythical creature that used to exist in the form of a bag man mm -hmm. uh, now it's legal but still the information that you get on it in most cases is is none it's just well then there's still ncaa rules like miami the collective attached to miami did pay him some money about one hundred twenty five thousand dollars from from what our reporting told us now here's the thing he's a california high school athlete somebody can pay a, a california high school athlete as long as it's not an inducement to enroll 
you say it's it's a legit if you if you can prove it's a legitimate you know endorsement deal and the way Miami set its things up is they actually make them come film commercials and so he was supposed to film a commercial for Life Wallet which is John Ruiz's mm-hmm. company the week of the Florida State Miami game the one where Florida State went down there and whooped them and he no showed and they got a sense that something was up at that point and I think the Miami coaches knew something was up at that point that that he was potentially going to going to go somewhere else and so when he did eventually flip to Florida, they did say, you owe us this money back. And the money was paid back. So, you know, it, it's it's interesting because you've got the NCAA rules against inducements. Now, this Florida contract, none of the money ever got paid. But the it started with a $500,000 payment that was due December 5th. If that payment had been made on time, well, that was 16 days before National Signing Day. That feels pretty cut and dried to me. Yeah. Like, um, but the thing that that is difficult about this, Andy, is that for the most part, this is a unicorn. You know, right. you don't get the you don't get your hands on this. So what I was I was asking or wanting to ask you about it when you got the the information that you have in that story, and if you haven't read it for some some weird reason, you should go read it. But did it feel like you were kind of like learning about what actually yes. goes on back there? Like, I mean, because. It really is this like huge black hole of vagueness, but speculation. And you had the the nuts and bolts of what was going on here. And I don't know that this is going to be regular. I don't know that most school no. student athletes are in this position to begin with. But what was it like to kind of unveil unveil the the vagueness and and look behind the curtain? It was weird seeing the contract when when I got a hold of the contract, just seeing the numbers laid out like that. It was very strange because, you, you know, you don't think of when you think of these contracts and, and we we all follow the the pro sports and we hear about the the salaries and the deals, but we don't really think of them in terms of monthly payments like you and I think about what we get in our checks every two weeks, like our salary in our heads breaks down that way. Like I know I'm getting X every two weeks in my paycheck. And so to see it broken out like it would be done in an actual paycheck form was wild because these paychecks would be huge. I mean, you're talking about 250 grand a month as a freshman, 200 and down to the penny, like $291,666 and 66 cents a month as a sophomore. Like what happens if it's like N64 cents one month? Do you, do you say something? Like, uh, I would. No, I'm kidding. I'm yeah. Kidding. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it, so it, it's strange to see it that way. And then I wanted to see what the deliverables were. And deliverables are what you have to do to get the money. So like you and I, we write stories, we do podcasts, and then they pay us. And we're not, now we're not by paid by the piece, we're on salary, but we do have to deliver those things or they can stop paying us. And so here are the deliverables. Well, the requirements. There's a couple deliverables and one, and then one residency requirement. So, a residence in Gainesville, Florida, which I live in the Burbs, so I would not qualify for this. I do not have a Gainesville address, so I, I'm out already. At least one branded Twitter post and one branded Instagram post per month. Up to eight fan engagement events per year. These can include in-person appearances, social media engagements, video conferences, or interviews, and none would last longer than two hours. We're talking about 16 hours of work on that that front. And here's here's the one that just blew my mind. 
because I've seen in some of these places where guys are doing NIL deals, and I'm talking current players, not recruits, the autographs, like they've you've clearly been put in a room that is just floor to ceiling stuff and had to sign hundreds of things. Autograph up to 15, one five pieces of merchandise per year. That's it. I want to keep the stock up of a signature high. Yeah. Yeah. The less signatures, the better. No, I know. I don't think that anybody in theory in the history of mankind has been paid that much money to do less actual work, but you know, that's the, that's the name of the game. Um, and I think part of the reason why this all didn't go the way that it was once headed. So, um, you know, Andy, I, the, the question that I really wanted to ask or, or just talk to you about in general, and, you know, you and I had conversations leading into the to the day that this story ran about, you know, the situation itself. But, you know, when I read your your final product um, and I was as excited as everybody else to do so, I just got this overwhelming sense of like, I feel bad for Jaden. Yeah. You know, and I like as you reported this and worked on it, like what was your sense on that standpoint of like the kid's name is out there. You can't say the name Jaden Rashada without thinking about this, but really it didn't seem like it was like he was out there pulling strings there. It's, it, it seems like he was kind of along for the ride. Yeah. I, I mean, it seems like everybody around him was trying to find the biggest bag and they weren't particularly concerned about what he might've wanted, you know, and it's just like kind of a, you know, stark reminder too. It's like, I like to think about myself when I was 17 years old, I was actually a teller at Chase Bank, but like, you don't understand the world. You know what I mean? And when you right. start brokering deals that are this big and this important, you know, it really does seem inconceivable to me that any teenager uh, that's really good at football or, or any teenager at all would be capable of brokering deals or being a part of meetings where this is the, the discussion. And it kind of got me thinking like, NIL is supposed to be for the betterment of the athlete, uh, the laborers who put on the sport that we love the most. Right. But it really is just a reminder that it is really kind of a bunch of adults working these deals and trying to profit as much as they can off of a teenager that doesn't even know what's going on around. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about anything with college sports. And and they, they keep trying to do everything except the thing that'll fix the problem. And that is you make them employees. You have a collective bargaining agreement and that keeps them from suing you on antitrust grounds. You agree with them. They agree with you and you have rules that you can enforce, but they don't want to do that. They've tried everything they can to keep from doing that. And it's, it's a problem. I mean, this is the workaround they've come up with because the state laws forced them into this. Basically the state said, look, you can't make these rules saying they can't get outside money. The market has always wanted to pay these players for their ability as football players. Always. And has figured out ways to do it. And so that's why the you know the people just flood in whenever this stuff happens. Like all college sports ever does is enable more middlemen. And if they would just make it a direct line from the the team to the player. You don't have the middlemen. You cut them out. Like the NFL doesn't have middlemen. The NBA doesn't have middlemen. They're agents, but they're also regulated. Like the NFL Players Association 
certifies agents. If there are a college players association that certified the agents, I don't know that the guys representing Jaden Rashada would have licenses anymore after this. They don't have licenses now because they don't need it. You want to know the thing that stood out to me the most? And there were a lot of bombshells in here, but the bombshell that got me, and I don't know if this is something that you've gotten a lot on your Twitter responses, but you outlined the contract, which mm-hmm. were, you know, the amounts of money, the intervals in which they're paid, um, and his uh, res- his responsibilities, you know, autographing and, and so forth. The contract also states that the collective can, and quote, in its sole and absolute discretion, terminate the agreement without penalty or further obligation. Yeah. I read that and I thought to myself, who is signing this? Well, or, right. This who is, is allowing their client to yeah, sign this? I mean, like, Correct. this is, I'm not a lawyer, but I, I read that and I was just like, what does that mean? They can just stop the deal whenever they feel like it and then nobody can ask them questions. Like, it's like, it's not even an agreement at that point. They could, they could pull the plug. And it's like the same thing too. And I guess like if they would have paid the $500,000 and you would have showed up at Florida, they could have pulled the plug then. They could have. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that they really could have pulled the plug at just about any time because I mean, if you're, if we're being strict interpretation of the NCAA rules, then this was an induce, this would have been an inducement had the money changed hands. And so the, one of the, the clause is under, okay, where it says that they could terminate at their sole discretion. It outlines several different reasons why. Like one of the reasons why is the person or the, the contract is found to have violated state law. Now, I don't know if it violated Flora's law. That that would be up for debate. Like you, you could very heartily debate that. And I think with the right lawyers, you could they could convince you one way or the other. The next one says it has to conform to school. Po- if it's found that it violates school policy or any po- policy the school must follow, that it, it can also be terminated. Well, that would be NCAA rules. It also says if you don't live in Gainesville, it can be terminated. He hadn't moved there yet. So they could still terminate it. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing, too, because no money changed hands. Florida is technically not in danger of breaking any NCAA rule. Not that they would enforce it or not, right? But I don't know. Is there an I, element I imagine, of intent? I would here? imagine the NCAA comes in there and looks. Is there I mean, an they, element they of intent that comes into play here? The question is intent on the part of whom? Like, do you have to prove that someone in the football building orchestrated it or someone with the university orchestrated it? Because we don't have, if you read that story, we don't have proof yeah. of that. We didn't accuse anybody and of that. We don't have, there, there's no proof of that. But right I think that I also might be the single biggest hurdle to any situation where inducement comes into question. Because you're always going to have that uncertainty of who was in charge here. Who's the one who who got this going? Did the program in question have anything to do with it? And blah, 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 blah. If there's no proof of it, it really is just 2023 Bagman. Called something else. Right. Exactly. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The problem is, and, and this is sort of the central mystery in the story, is how did those numbers come to be in the contract? Who came up with those numbers originally? Somebody had to come up with those. Somebody had to come Somebody up with the total amount. Somebody sat down at the desk and right, wrote and down then, that number. Yeah, And then divide by four and then figure out monthly payments and all of that. Somebody had to do that. And we don't know who that was yet. Now, Darren Heitner, who's an attorney based in Fort Lauderdale. Now, he's on the, the Gator Collective's web. Gator Collective is the, is the collective that wrote the contract. And the, the, their claim is that it was done... Through a third part, they were have, a third party was providing the money, and they were providing the contract, and then Rashada was on the other side of it. So Darren, according to the Gator Collective's website, has done legal work for them. And Darren said in this case that he was not asked to do legal work on this particular transaction. Darren also is listed as an attorney for JTM Sports, which is the man the, the agency that manages Jaden Rashada. And so they're run by a couple guys named Jackson Zager and Tommy Thompson. They are former IMG Academy football players. And these so they've formed an agency. Now like Jackson's a sophomore at SMU. Tommy's a, a commercial real estate guy. He's in his 20s as well. And they you know they say, well, where's where's the number? And and so I asked Darren, I said, where'd the number come from? Because Darren said he did text those numbers to someone in the Gator Collective because they'd asked for numbers to put in the contract. And Darren said the numbers came from a, thir a third party. And I asked him, okay, who third party? And I said, and he said, I can't tell you that. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to disclose that. And so... That's whoever that is. You know, that's the interesting part. Like, where did those particular numbers come yeah, from? Yeah, what was the math on that? What was the calculus right. on that? Because yeah. here's the thing. You know, you can you can try to pin that particular number on somebody at at Florida, but I I have a hard time believing that any coach anywhere, not just the Florida's coaching staff, but any any coach in any staff in the country. If they knew what those numbers were, would be okay with that because it's going to be a problem. Because like, if he were that to make that much so money, many in more theory, problems. Yeah, wouldn't he be making more than like five Florida assistants combined uh, over the term of that light? Oh over yeah, the well, term it's, not, of it's that. not even that. It's not even that. It's you walk into the locker room and all the other players know that whether it's come out or not, they would know because players know. Yeah, and. They would be like, you're buying every dinner. They'd be like, you better be the savior of this thing. Like, and the fan base would be like, you better be the savior of this thing. Yeah. And everything we've heard about Jaden as a football player is that th there is room to grow and he could grow into a, a good college football player. But that's probably not a person you want to put an SEC program on his back as a true freshman. Right. And that's what would have happened. That's exactly what would have happened. And I so I can't imagine any coach in, the, in America being okay with those particular numbers. I was thinking this to myself in my head, but if you were to divide all the numbers in the contract that we obtained by 10, 
Don't you still think that's an insanely good deal? It would be. It would be. And like if still, that was the deal. Still probably. a. Now that's closer to what we've heard to be market rate for a fairly good quarterback recruit. Yeah. 1.385. Over right, a four that, year period. Right. Divided monthly with a signing bonus to me seems like a life changing amount of money for, for most kids in yeah. that position. But also a reasonable amount of money when you consider the right player having a huge impact on the team could mean for the marketability and profitability of that football program. Like, right. I think that's within the realm of sanity. Like when you start getting into, I think I read, it was in the story that that's Brock Purdy's uh, NFL rookie deal was only 800 oh, grand more than that. No, no, no. Brock Purdy's was significantly less than that. Kenny Pickett's was two hundred thousand. Oh, Kenny Pickett. More. That's Kenny what I Pickett yeah, Kenny Pickett was the, not Brock was the only right. first round quarterback last year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Stewart put that detail in, and I thought that was very interesting. It was, yeah, because I had no concept of that. You know. Yeah. It's like so you're making more money than a first round draft pick. Right. Because the next like Kenny, one Kenny number twenty six, which yeah. means there's probably a couple first round draft picks that that contract that got, is worth more yeah. than their their right. first four year deal. Yeah. So it's so. It, it's crazy. And it's like, that's the type of money that I think that the only person that I wouldn't be surprised would offer that would be a guy like Arch Manning. And right. not just because Arch Manning is a great football player, but because of what he could do from a, he has a name marketing that's, standpoint. Right. He yeah. has a name that already is known and, and is sellable. Right. That's, but, but even Arch Manning probably wouldn't be worth that much. Right. So, so the question I, I really like, you know, since we're doing the interviewee interviewee thing, and you can answer this one first, and then we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, Nick asked, by the way, was your second source corroboration on the dollar amounts or just the contracts you've seen? Understand if you can't comment. I can comment on that, Nick. Uh, I saw the contract and then corroborated the dollar amounts with various people. So it's multiple, multiple sources have corroborated the dollar amounts. Do you think that what happened here is destined to happen again or is this a learning experience for everyone? It's going to happen again because this is a pretty wild, unregulated industry right now with a lot of people coming in who may or may not know what they're doing. So it's going to happen again, maybe not in this spectacular a fashion. I mean, because let's be honest, at the end of the day, you could have put whatever numbers on that contract you wanted. The money wasn't there. Somebody thought the money was there and they were taking somebody's word for it. But this is one where I would... Imagine if you if you're dealing with dollar amounts that big, you should probably get it in writing. I just can't get that that paragraph out of my head. The contract also states that the collective can, in its sole and absolute discretion, terminate the agreement without penalty or further obligation. Yeah, we got Domer in the uh, in the chat. It takes time for a new market to come become quote unquote efficient. There is no historical comparison, so hence chaos. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. what we're dealing with here. Is a brand new market. All of this is less than two years old. So you're going to see some outliers. Now, the market is forming itself. Like, I can call somebody from a collective at a, at a big school and say, does this sound normal? And they'll go yes or no. Like, they have a general idea. If I had called with these, like, if somebody had told me these numbers when this was all going on, and I had called someone with these numbers, they'd have been like, absolutely not. This is madness. Who in the world would do this? And I also kind of feel like the people or the adults in the situation here need to be seasoned enough to recognize how absurd it was. They, you know, that's the hardest thing. Too, it's just and, like, right. That is the problem. Like here, how do you let a client sign a contract that says it can be terminated for nearly anything? 
No, there was no reason at all. It could be, I don't feel good today. Right. Right. I mean, if you really read it now, there are clauses that say, here's why you can terminate it. But yes, if you take that first sentence and just say that, that holds up and that's, that's a reason, then yes, for any reason, they would can do you it. sign any document outlining any aspect of your life that had that sentence in it? No. Like there, it, it just, it doesn't, you have the right no. lawyer, that sentence to latch onto and you're finished. Not the athletic contract, but I, I, you know, like I've, I've signed a contract for it was a part-time employment contract where both sides could terminate with 30 days written notice like that. But that's reasonable because both sides have the ability. I did sign a non-compete in my first job and I was making $17,000 a year. Okay. That was a little, yeah, you didn't really need to do that because. Because I was 20 and I didn't understand the world. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's, that's the thing. When you have an agent, that person's supposed to tell you, hey, don't sign that. That's right. not a good idea. That's why, the, you know, as the, the larger dollar figures you get into with your contracts, you may bring in an attorney to look at it. You may have, you know, if you're if you're a big company, you have your own general counsel who will yeah. look at everything. And I alluded to this earlier in the show, Andy, but I wanted to get your take on it. What is to stop somebody from using a contract like this in the future to induce a player and I use that word carefully to sign with your program and then pull the plug once they've already enrolled. Like what, like to me, this is a, a major issue that I think could happen next, which is pay everybody what you say you're going to pay them at first and then mm. stop paying them once they're on the team, thus yeah. making it much harder for them to land. Like, cause Jaden Rashada, like when you think about it for as messed mm-hmm. up as this whole thing was signed a, or signed with or committed to a program on National Signing Day like everybody else in his class um, and is going to be able to enroll in the summer and be ready to go at normal. Like, this didn't set his career back. In fact, I think you could make a case that because he's at a place that doesn't have this outlandish NIL deal, his chances of being an effective and normal college oh, athlete his are probably for higher. success are so much higher now so, with, with but Arizona State. What than, if you did it to somebody in November yeah. of their freshman year? Now they can mm-hmm. just say, well, they're going to transfer in January and then figure That's it out. That's what but I'm like, going to say. This yeah. is, so like, this is going to happen though, right? Like people oh, are yeah. going to enroll. They're going to be under a contract or a deal and they're going to pull the plug in the middle of their freshman year and it's going to mess up their entire trajectory. Now, you know, the transfer situation makes it easier to land on your feet, but still, if you're at a place and you're thriving even. Well, if you're at a place want, and you're thriving. You might thriving, not want to transfer. But the market, the market's going to fix that. The market's yeah. going to take care of you there if you're thriving. Like that's what that's how it should work. Let's say you go in your freshman year and you ball out. You're now in a position to command more money from the school you're at, or you're going to leave. Like yeah, that's well, how it should it work. Sounds like the plan to me then for everybody: offer bogus contracts, pay the first parts of it, and then pull the plug, and then hope the person doesn't want to leave because they're doing well. And if they're not, then who cares if they leave? Well, the, the, you're, you're calling it bogus. They're they're offering contracts where they have ways out. And here's the other part of it. There's not a ton of leverage on the other side. So you can either take this money and sign this, or you can not take the money. But in certain cases, there's going to be a ton of leverage because the ones who are getting the biggest numbers are the ones that are most desirable from the player from the program standpoint. Right. But they're they're also potentially going to be well represented enough. Here's what I think is going to happen. You're seeing it now with current players already, where agents that are NFLPA certified that that 
represent NFL players, that represent NBA players, MMA fighters. You're seeing them come in with guys that are already in school. And I remember at the Senior Bowl, I actually talked to some agents, some some player agents about this. And I said, are you going to get into the recruiting space? And they're like, God, I hope not. But the truth of it is they will. And they're going to negotiate a much more favorable deal than somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience doing that. So they're going to see a clause like that and say, we cannot sign this. And then there there will be haggling and they will come to a compromise. Well, it's just a natural progression, the same way that recruiting has progressed before the financial stuff got into it. You know, 15 years ago, if you offered a freshman in high school, you were you were thought as a looney tune. And now, you know, freshmen get offers all the time. You know, you speed up the 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 time in which people can legally be compensated for their their abilities on a football field or a basketball court or any other sport. And you uh, they're market. I was watching the the. um what was the movie with uh, King Richard? You've seen that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, when when the Nike executive or Nike agent or whoever it was was trying to offer Serena and, and Venus Williams a Nike deal when they were like 14 or 13 years old. Like, if they are good enough at the sport, it's a necessity and an inevitability that this is going to happen. Right. Yeah. And, and it's... The thing is that the money's big enough, those people will come in, and the money is probably going to be big enough. But I do think the market is sort of shifting already. We could, And this is, this is something that we talked about before all of this came to be, where would NIL create a situation where the, the recruits got the most money or the current players? And I think if you hadn't changed the transfer rules, it would have been the recruits. But because you can transfer now and and play right away, I think you're seeing it shift more to the to the players who are proving that they're already good. And like if you're, I, I think if you're smart, that is how you're handling it. Now you may have one or two recruits that are high priority targets that maybe that's okay. You're going to give them some some higher dollar figures. But for the most part, you got to make sure you keep the best players on your roster, and the best mm-hmm. players are the ones that you already know are good. Right. And, you know, the, the hope is that there is a soft landing here and everything uh, in five or six years when it all kind of irons itself out kind of works into the favor of, well, the Bryce Youngs of the world are the ones who are going to get paid the most, not the next Bryce Young. Yeah. Um, uh, Joe Joe Skinner asks, what's stopping Jimmy Sexton from representing the next Arch Manning through recruitment in a state where that's allowed? Nothing. Nothing stopping him. If Jimmy Sexton wanted to do that, he could do it. Now, I, I think for in Jimmy's personal case, because he probably wouldn't want to be on on both sides of the deal, and he probably wouldn't because he's attached to so many coaches that he wouldn't want to maybe get them in in any hot any kind of hot water because their agent is representing a kid with something else. But CAA, I think, is representing college. I mean, I know CAA is representing college players. Athletes First is representing college players. They also have a lot of of college coaches. I, it's not always the same people though. Yeah. And also, if the dollar amounts are big enough, that means the percentages are worth it. Why wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. There's something there's something in it for for you. You're going to do it. We'll be right back after these words. I did want to take this back to, to Jaden himself, because I, I, I do feel for him 
after seeing all this stuff, talking to all these people, I, I do feel like he is, he's the one who gets talked about because it's, he's the recruit. He's the player. But they'll talk about it on broadcast the second he walks onto a field. Yeah. I don't get the sense that he was driving this. I just no. don't. No. And so I, I do think the Arizona State situation is much more advantageous than what he would have walked into at either Miami or Florida. Mm-hmm. And it's Which, not, I, it's not that I, I, you shouldn't get any money. Like, cause it sounds like he's not getting any at Arizona State, but he doesn't have the weight of those expectations that he may not be prepared for. Yeah. Two things. One is I got the sense during his recruitment and I got the sense again, reading your story that the kid wanted to go to Florida. So like the saddest thing about this is that he, if he did want to go to Florida, he's not even at the place that he wanted to be, which is supposed to be the spirit of the entire thing. Right. And, and we talked about it uh, on the phone. It's like, if you have a child and they have a dream and they want to pursue that dream, the worst thing that could break a parent's heart is not, not being able to let their kids see their dream through. So, you know, I don't know for a fact that that's where he absolutely had his heart set on, but through his Miami days um, and a lot of the details that you had in the story about how he wasn't engaging in the group chat as a Miami commit when he was there and how he was always drawn back to Florida. And I over, uh, you know, heard multiple conversations in my time reporting and, you know, had conversations about like the fact that he was drawn back to Florida and now he's not at Florida anymore. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is as a 17-year-old kid or an 18-year-old, you know, going into adulthood now, there was a point in his life where this money that we just got done discussing was on the table for him. You know, and he thought this is this is the money that I am going to earn. And I cannot imagine uh, what it would be like to go somewhere else mm-hmm. uh, that you didn't want to go to because he didn't consider Arizona state at all during his recruitment until the end um, without any money at all to show for it. It just seems like a sad situation for just the kid himself. Now, if he goes out to Arizona state and Kenny Dillingham works his magic and he turns out to be an NFL player, like maybe one day this will be a cool thing. He looks back on as a life lesson about how to deal with things. But right now, like think about the potential of where he thought his life was headed. Dream school with all that money to no money yeah. and alternate alternate. I school. know it's, it's got to be crushing. Like, and it's like, it's easy for us to sit here and say, well, now that he doesn't have all those expectations, he might have an opportunity to actually, you know, thrive and, and, and flourish in a locker room. But it's like, who are we to say that when he had generational wealth on his fingertips a month and a half ago, and, you know, like that's and, hard. And, and the problem is, because he saw the contract, he had an agent who said, go ahead and sign this. Like it all felt very real. I'm sure we sure. read that contract and go, wow, well, they don't really have to give you any of this. Andy, when you but, were 17, if somebody put that contract in front of you and said, sign it to go to, you would have believed it. You don't know I how it works. signed it to heartbeat and assumed. Yeah. Assumed that when's the check coming? Did I tell Absolutely. you the Louis, the Louis Vuitton bag story? I did. No. Uh-uh. When I was in high school and my dad will remember this because I remember having a conversation. I had a friend who said he had a connection to somebody who could get Louis Vuitton bags for half the price and sell them. And in my head, I was that's like, this is great. That. No, no, but that's what, that's the point. Like yeah. in my head, I'm like, okay, we're going to partner up. I work in the mall. We're going to get these bags. I'm going to sell these bags that they're real and we're going to, we're going to do this together and we're going to make a ton of money because he has this hookup that you can never get. And like, as a 17 year old thinking this, 
it didn't occur to me that these bags were probably fake. Mm-hmm. Or if they weren't fake, that they were stolen. Stolen. Exactly. And then my dad told me on the couch, and I'll never forget this. He goes, can I ask you a question? Because I know you're fired up about this and you think you're about to make a ton of money. He goes, if this person, your friend, has a connection that makes this all real, let's pretend like these are real bags he's getting legitimately for half the price. Why on earth does he need you? And like, I remember when my dad asked me that, it kind of hit me with, with a ton of bricks. And like, I was a 17-year-old with a driver's license and a job at Chase Bank. And I, I couldn't fathom at that age how getting into a situation like that was probably bad news or not real. Um, so when you start talking about lawyers involved, your dad's involved, you know, big time programs that have a ton of money are involved. If I could believe that in my stage, why wouldn't anybody else believe anything far more legitimate on the surface? Right. This and and on the surface, this is much more legitimate seeming than what you're talking about. And then when I was telling you the Louis Vuitton bag story, you're like laughing and like you made a face like, yeah, no crap. This is stupid because you have the temperament and experience as an authority to realize as a 70, as a 17 year old working at champs. Like, You'd be like, we, where do I sign up for this? But as, right. And he doesn't have that experience. And it's not that he's stupid. He's not stupid. He's just a young kid who's trying to wade into very difficult waters that even people in our position are still trying to fully understand and grasp. And he's, he's I hate to say it, being taken advantage of because he doesn't know. Right, right. And you would hope that the people around him would guide him a little better, but... You know, this is this is where it where it ends up. And, you know, I think every party in this winds up getting embarrassed. And I just I remember. So January 10th was when the early enrollees at Florida were supposed to report. And I started calling people like because Jaden Rashada hadn't reported. And so we started calling around saying, "Okay, is he coming? Did something happen? And that's when we find out about the contract being terminated and. I remember the first few times I heard the numbers on the contract and I was like, no, that can't be true. That can't be true. And then the more people I talk to who I trust, it's, it's like, oh yeah, no, it's true. And I'm like, how, what? And that's kind of where, you know, a lot of this story came out of was how on earth did you get to these numbers? And you know, the fact of the matter is... Did you is, get the sense that it was a measure, a, uh, a ego competition between Miami and Florida? Not on Miami's side. I don't think Miami cared as much. And, so and when I say, on when you say side, Florida, I, I think we're talking about certain people. People with like rooting certain, interests Certain in donors, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think we're talking about everybody. Because I think I think, but when you say the where do the numbers come from, though, yeah, do, does the purported amounts that Miami was set to pay mm-hmm. create the foundation or the baseline that you work from? Yeah, I kind of wonder if somebody actually believed that, because we we dug into that nine and a half million dollar figure that was thrown out there, and it didn't. Because it strikes me as I see your nine and a half million, and I raise you four. Yeah, we we could not get that verified. We never got that number verified. And because why story, would you start at 13? If that wasn't true and nobody thought that was right. true, then why would you start at 13? Right. In 14? the story, John Ruiz, who signed Jaden to a an NIL deal when he committed to Miami, said it's it wasn't close to nine and a half million dollars. He said he couldn't he said he wouldn't reveal the exact amount because he had an NDA, but he said it wasn't close to nine and a half million. Right. So 
you know, that's that to me is the most interesting thing. And maybe you'll, that's the next thing for you to find out, you know, um, man. But so the other half of this, too, it's like so we know Jaden Rashada situation. Now it's it's mm-hmm. over. He's got, yep. you know, he still has a chance to earn some money. I believe that Arizona State will, you know, have the means to reward him if he produces or develops into the player that we think he can be in the right situation. But what about Florida? Like what's what do you think is next for Florida? How does this impact the people who are involved in it, the collective, their their future recruiting attempts? And yeah. of course I I uh don't want to, you know, shamelessly plug, but on Tuesday when this story this this comes out, I went to Houston last week and sat down with DJ Lagway and his coach and spoke to his father about what what recruiting DJ means to Lagway them. is the class yeah. of 2024 quarterback that Florida has committed right now and as Ari's story, I think, will point out, this is a very different situation than the Jaden Rashada situation. So all the Florida fans who today wasn't a particularly good day for you reading all this stuff, you might be a little happier when you read Ari's story. But this is a this is a DJ Lagway is the quarterback with the Georgia offer and with right. the Alabama offer. Like, right. This is a real and like I like went down to Houston knowing that you guys were working on this and knowing that this was a, this was a possibility to attack that issue. I attacked the issue of NIL. Um, what does this mean for Florida? How does this change DJ Lagway's view of Florida and what's next? So from your standpoint, having reported the story out, Andy, um, before the, the Lagway story goes on the internet, what is your thought process about what this means for Florida? So I think they've, they've just got to show some upward trajectory this year and, and, you know, it puts a lot of the onus on Graham Mertz, the, the grad transfer quarterback from Wisconsin who they got. And, you know, how good can Billy Napier develop the players he has on the roster? Now, you saw a big exodus of players on the roster, mostly guys who who signed in the latter part of the Dan Mullen era. And so it, it it's going to depend on how Billy Napier recruited the portal, how well he recruited the guys who signed for the class of 2023, and can the, the can they contribute quickly? Because, but do you question Florida's ability to acquire top level talent that is NIL oriented? Well, because if you're a, a Florida question, fan, you're yeah. sitting here right now thinking, okay, well, we lost this kid. That's a shame. This is an embarrassment. But if I'm an if I'm a Florida fan, I'm thinking, are we doomed to be able to recruit at a high level that ever is, again? That and that is the that is the the question. And I, I'll just say, look, these things go in cycles. It's the conversation we had on the last show. Blockbuster. Like, yeah. You you go back to, to 20 years ago, and I'll, I'll give you, we'll use a Florida example. 20 years ago, it was 2003. Ron Zook was the head coach. Do you think Florida fans thought that they would have one of the best rosters in the country and win two national titles over the next five years at that moment in 2003? I don't know. When they were all clamoring for Ron Zook to be fired? No, but Wasn't Ron Zook a dog of a recruiter, though? He was a very good recruiter. <laughs> no, he, he he got some good players. Now yeah. didn't didn't get the final set of difference makers. Urban Meyer did that, but yeah. But no, he was he was good at recruiting. It was not it was the on the field the problem, you know, on the field coaching that was not. But yes, great. I get your point. But yes. So just because it's not happening for you now doesn't mean it'll never happen for you. I think Auburn's a, a good case study for this one because you just had a coach who did not want to recruit in the way that you have to recruit to be successful at Auburn. They have now hired a coach who is more than willing to recruit in the way that you need to recruit to be successful at Auburn. Can he do it against your two rivals who are the best recruiting programs in the sport right now? But is there a, is there a thought 
of incompetence in money management in a collective? And can that be rectified? Yeah. Well, and you also can can just change collectives or have a different collective. Or in, in yeah. some cases, you've seen collectives be consolidated. I'll answer a question from SC Scout Guy. Just curious, as reporters, do you request the tax filings of all these collectives since they are 501c3 nonprofits and their taxes are public? Uh, some of them are. Uh, the Gator Collective, in this particular case, is an LLC. Uh, I know SC Scout Guy says he just looked it up and it's not. I can promise you it's an LLC. It's a private company. And that's what a lot of these are. So, I mean, that's what that's what Life Wallet is, which is the the John Ruiz company. Uh, I, I'm a little more skeptical of the ones that that are set up as nonprofits. And you know, one, they haven't existed long enough for we for us to be able to get their their form nine nineties. That's what you're you're asking about the IRS form nine ninety. But and also, they don't have to list who they're paying necessarily because these are all deals for independent contractors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not as easy as everybody thinks to get this stuff. It's just not. Where they, are you they seeing that they job. are? I, I know that, that they are. You mean the LLC. man who's been reporting it for? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think he knows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so whew. now Ari, I will say, notice on Twitter, like every 10th reaction to this story is the same. And it's about Jim Harbaugh and a hamburger. And it's basically, hey, NCAA, you're so worried about Jim Harbaugh and a hamburger, and this is going on. Ari, I think I know what our next project as a podcast needs to be. I mean, I... We gotta find this hamburger. It should be an investigative journalism focus here. Have we... Has has the... And and maybe the folks watching can tell us, or listening can tell us. Has the local establishment... Because that's the, the, the stories I've seen, I'll say... He, he's accused of, of buying a hamburger for a recruit at a local restaurant. Like, I need to know what this restaurant is, and I need to eat have this that, hamburger. got to get that hamburger. Yeah. This must be one hell of a hamburger. It's one tasty burger. Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, what if it's McDonald's? Is McDonald's a local establishment? What if it was a filet of fish You know, it's the, it's the classiest burger you can get. Didn't we find out that the rumor about the McDonald's bags with Tennessee was actually Chick-fil-A bags? Yeah. Okay. That was uh, that was heartbreaking. Because honestly, if you've ever gotten a filet of fish, you know that the bo- it's a box. You could put some, fold up some cash and put you it could. in a filet of fish box. You can reel one in, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so, SC Scout guy, I will clear up the uh, the stuff in the chat. It was an on three article, but it's about a Florida collective called Gator Guard. It lists as a five one c three. Yes, that is a different collective, and that was set up as a five one c three. That's this is this is also a problem with all this, Ari is there are multiple collectives that serve different schools with similar names, very similar names gets confusing. People, everybody assumes they're, they're, they're attached to the school. The school's directing everything they do. That is not the case in a lot of cases. And in some cases, there's some wink, wink, nod, nod going on between the schools and the collectives. And I'll be honest, I think those probably work a little bit better and you don't have stuff like this happen because somebody, you know, not leaving a paper trail might, throw some some dollar figures out there and then somebody also not leaving a paper trail might go hell no we're not doing that well i saw this question in the chat and i saw it on twitter today too and i'll ask you how is billy napier doing right now probably pretty frustrated probably very frustrated that all this got out that again i'm i'm curious to see who knew what when that's a, that's kind of another 
stage of this, and I don't know if we'll ever find that out. Like, at what point did somebody tell Billy Napier, oh, by the way, there's this contract and here are the numbers? That's that's another interesting piece of this. Yeah. And then put yourself in his perspective of if you would even want that. I mean, my head would explode if I were him. I'm yeah. like, what did you people do? Because <laughs> again, logic says that a coach would not say yes to something like this before the fact, knowing those numbers. Logic says that. Now, look, a lot of illogical things have happened in this story. You know what but else logic, logic says? says that. <laughs> if the money was there, let's just say the money was there. How far that could have gone. If you spread it around, if you actually paid market value for people for, yeah, yeah, we're talking like multiple five-star safeties. I'm going to, yeah. Or, or in the transfer portal, like in the portal. Yeah. Hey, look, here's a good defensive tackle. I think if somebody actually paid, let's just round it up to a clean 15 million Mm -hmm. to assemble a roster, both through recruiting and through the portal for a given two year period. Oh, you're doing, you could buy yourself a playoff team pretty well. Florida. Because Florida wouldn't have to pay as much as other schools. Because right, at, yeah, at at a at a kind of top, you know, SEC or Big Ten type school or or Big yeah. Twelve type school even that has or ACC that has a history of of playing for national championships and or a recentish history of playing for national championships. I think with that amount of money, you absolutely could. If you did thirteen point eight five million divided by and and used it to get fifteen players which would make up over 60% of your class, mm-hmm. you could probably sign 15 top 100 guys with that money. Yeah. And whether or not you think that that is the right way to do it is irrelevant. All I know is I'd rather have 15 top 100 guys than a quarterback. Me Especially too. in a place like Florida that could get a guy to transfer in. And- well, right. And in the NFL, you have to have the quarterback to win the Super Bowl. We think. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, this year seems to be bearing that out. But in college football, you don't have to have the super duper star quarterback as long as there's enough. You have to have a functional him. quarterback yeah. that has people around him is enough. Right. You have to have the, an above average good quarterback, put the people around him and let him cook. A critical question here. What is market value? I think it 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 it, it is completely uh based on who it's coming from and uh who the position is. Or right. what the position and is, also, right? And like, also, there's there's not a, really a big enough sample size to establish a market value. That is something they are trying to do. I promise you, the people who run these collectives at most of these schools are trying very hard to gather as much information as they can to establish real market value so that they're not overbidding, underbidding. Like, they want to know what they're dealing with. It's just like any other private industry. Like, I, I, I give the example of us at The Athletic all the time, Ari, where if, if someone offered, if I went to the athletic and told them that someone had offered me a million dollars a year to do the job I do now, that they would they would laugh at me because our bosses, part of their job is to know what the market rate is. But let's play let's play a fun game though. Like, what do okay. you think the actual market value? Like, I'm gonna name okay. positions, okay, and and where they're from, okay, and rankings. And I just want you to just like guess. Oh, based I, on your expertise, I can tell you even as even as someone who's talked to a lot of people about this. I would, I'm going to struggle. Like, okay, I, but let's like do I'll, it. I'll have people who run collectives call me and be like, that is way off. Welcome to the price is wrong with Ari okay. Wasserman here. Okay. Da, All right, here da, we go. Can we play Plinko or Cliffhanger? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> all right, dude. I watched that thing on Netflix about that guy that like memorized everything. Oh, I That's did some, too. It was <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> and that guy didn't even win. He won for somebody else. God. I know. Okay. The the the, the, uh, the press your the luck big. The the press your luck documentary is even better. I don't know what that is. Oh, so you got it. I'll, I'll send it to, to you. I'll send um, it. To you. Okay. It's on YouTube. Five star quarterback prospect out of Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Is down to LSU, Texas, Texas A and M, and Florida. What so is this like Matthew value? Stafford level guy? Okay, yeah. all right. What's his market value? I would say his market value is three hundred fifty to four hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Okay, per year. Top one hundred safety out of Chaparral High School in Scottsdale. Okay, but four star. So, so this is, but that's somebody that that most most schools would offer. So, yeah, like he has Georgia, Alabama, USC, Arizona State, and Oregon. Okay, um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say sixty to a hundred thousand dollars a year. I know it's okay. a wide range. Yeah, uh, but also rational with the first guess, right? Yeah, five star center from from uh, Massachusetts who now plays at IMG. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. I'm glad you added the IMG part because I was gonna be like, hmm, Massachusetts. Don't know who he's playing against. But now, now I know he's playing against playing the best IMG. in practice every day. So, uh, and he's down to Ohio State, Miami, mm-hmm. uh, Florida State, and USC. This is where my offensive line bias is going to come in. Like I'm like I'm going to be like 250 grand a year. Probably not though. Probably not. Centers are not worth as much as offensive tackles. Although again, like coming from high school to college on the offensive line, very hard to predict where you wind up playing necessarily. But if he's, if he has been a center, if he's a good snapper, if he moves well as a center, he's probably going to be a center. I'm going to go given the level of competition for him. Everybody seems to want him. I'm going to say 80,000 a year. Yeah. Which is exactly like you're kind of in the same realm as me. Now I might've gone a little higher for a quarterback. Yeah. Like, I think that, like, in between five and 700,000 would be rational. Yeah. And it depends on how gaga you are and how fierce the competition is. Because also, too, like, I, I'm i not thinking about it coming in a duffel bag. I'm thinking about it being amortized over paychecks. But, but do remember, so, do remember that this is not happening in a vacuum. There are other players at those positions that may not be quite as good, but are close. Right. So that keeps the, that keeps the price of the top guy down a little bit. Well, I did, I did a, a survey right when NIL got passed, calling a bunch of recruiting coordinators and asking them anonymously, like, how would you use the money if you had 10 million bucks? And most of them said they would get defensive ends, corners and quarterbacks. That's where they would. That, that's what they would spend their money on. Another one from SC scout guy. Apparently Nicholas Harbor took less NIL money from South Carolina than Oregon. He just liked South Carolina better. And it was closer to home. Listen, that is a decision. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I will say, I suspect there are multiple players who made decisions like that because there are tons of people who make decisions like that all the time. I've not. Ari, have you always taken the highest dollar offer in terms of jobs? Believe it or not, I I haven't. Yeah, neither have I. So sometimes you're 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 weighing your own happiness. Sometimes you're weighing where you want to live. These are potential. Yeah, these are all things that matter. So the the. Dollars themselves don't always matter as much. Now, if somebody offers you thirteen point five million or thirteen point eight five million dollars over four years, yeah, I'm going to take that one. I would do anything. I, I don't know that, that there's anything that I would do that, like that would stop me. I, you know, thirty jobs, sign me up. Thirteen point yeah. five. 
Uh, yeah. Um, so I, th- I think that that's, that's all rational, but like, I think that paying a five-star quarterback, $120,000 a year during his time in college is completely acceptable. Oh, and especially if he's really good, you're going to wind up, he's going to wind yeah. up getting a lot more. Like I, that's why I always laugh about the Cam Newton number. People said, Oh, $180,000. That was the rumored number. If Auburn actually did that, which there's never been any proof that that happened. That was the biggest bargain in the history of sports. Yeah, no, they they made they got they got over on that one for sure. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, I mean that that's just but it should go that way. Like let's say you sign that five-star quarterback to a deal initially that is 4 years at 150,000 a year and then all of a sudden he's a Heisman candidate going to his sophomore year, you know, led led the country in passing as a freshman. Well, yeah, no, you're going to bump him up <laughs> and that's, that's where he is going to approach seven figures and you're going to be happy to pay it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming that the big time quarterbacks at the big time schools that were proven this year, like Heisman trophy finalists all made a million dollars. Yeah. I don't know for a fact, but. You know, it, it would make sense to me if Caleb Williams made a million dollars last he year. Should, I, Caleb Williams should make at least a million dollars. Yeah. Like, so. Yeah. Like, and, and Bry, uh, Bryce Young. It, we, I mean, CJ Stroud. Anthony Richardson made over a million dollars. So. CJ Stroud wasn't, didn't even hide it. Not right. that he should, but like should it, he? Was, it was very apparent that he was doing very well and he wasn't making 30 grand because. He wore a watch to the Heisman ceremony that was worth 60. So, you know, like that's, uh, you know, and that's good for him. But that's, and I I think that that's money well spent. But I also think on a speculation standpoint, I'd be comfortable paying a five-star quarterback prospect $120,000 on the speculation of getting a bargain at the beginning. And then I I think that is a, that's a very fair way to do it. I think. And it's also enough money where they're comfortable and taken care of, but it's also not enough to stop them from grinding and doing yeah. all the things that you, you still. Yeah, you're not. You're it's not kind rich of a at that sweet point. spot. You're not a rich person, and I. And I, Des- I hate to. Despite what college age Andy would have thought, you're you're not you're not super rich at that point. I used to think when I was a kid that if you made a hundred thousand dollars, you didn't have a care in the world. I don't know. I, I was the same way. Same way. And maybe that's just inflation. I don't know. But it, I think inflation has a lot to do with it. Hundred thousand dollars <laughs> in like for me, a hundred thousand dollars in nineteen eighty five dollars. Uh, it's it's worth quite a bit more. There'd be a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fun nights at, at Suncoast uh, DVD store. Exactly, exactly. Well, everybody, it's been it's been quite a discussion. Thanks everybody in the chat for helping out, and because uh, I, I wanted to see what you guys were asking about the story too, and I, I imagine this won't be the last time we talk about it. There's there's a lot going on here. There's a lot to chew on, and there will be other situations that I don't know if they're going to be as weird, but they might be. It's we'll college football. They will be. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. We'll talk to you later.